You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Big changes are coming to the BC legislature after the scandal involving allegations of inappropriate spending. That's the promise from Premier John Horgan. And as Richard Zussman reports, it can't come soon enough for those who say a lot of red flags were ignored. They are pictures only familiar to the closest of political observers. Clerk Craig James allegedly traveling the world on the public's dime, his family in tow. It was the five-star hotels, the five-star resorts. Integrity PC's Dermot Travis has been tracking public spending for years. He says he was first made aware of James's allegedly questionable decision-making when he was at Elections BC. When he was the interim chief electoral officer, rewrote the travel policy at Elections BC so that he would be able to take his spouse on parliamentary business. On Monday, Legislature Speaker Daryl Plekis released a report alleging questionable misspending that could total into the millions of dollars. Some of those inappropriate expenses took place on trips Sergeant-at-Arms Gary Lenz and James took abroad. The question is, how far back does this sort of inappropriate spending go? In 2012, Auditor General John Doyle released a scathing report criticizing poor accounting. And the speaker at the time, Bill Beresov, promised changes. All actions will follow the principle of openness, public accountability and transparency. But even after multiple Doyle reports, a 2007 report, it seems to have taken Plekis' explosive report to capture the public's attention. One of the main reasons why is because of Plekis' unique situation in the legislature. Mr. Plekis had a unique opportunity as an independent speaker to exercise that independence and do the, the review that he did. There are now questions of how far back a pending Auditor General's probe should look. It could span many speakers whose pictures dawn the legislature wall. The same could be true for the clerks. One thing's clear, public trust won't be restored until there are some answers. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Well, the Premier and the Leader of the Opposition are trading barbs over the spending controversy. Keith Baldry is in Victoria with that. And Keith, Premier John Horgan is definitely trying to make sure the Liberals wear most of this. Oh, yeah, both parties, that's, uh, I think, frankly, trying to ensure the other guy has the tail, the pin, tail, uh, pin to the tail. Uh, and I'm not sure the Liberals have as much ammunition as the NDP does, because the Liberals, of course, in power for 16 years. Clearly, this behavior has been going back a long, long time. The two leaders tra trading verbal jousting uh, today, uh, laying the blame at each other. But Andrew Wilkinson trying to offer a peace uh, offering here. John Horgan having none of it. He says Wilkinson's behavior on this was objectionable from day one. So I'm asking Premier Horgan to join me in a non-political effort to stop the sniping over who said what to whom and clean house around here so that people can trust this institution once again. Now we need to get to the bottom of this and had Mr. Wilkinson adopted that position in December I would have some confidence that he's being genuine today. But what I see is more partisanship, more entitlement and an attempt by he and his colleagues to try and somehow spread the blame around to everybody. 
So clearly the two don't agree on this issue, Chris, but uh, there's still more to come, more chapters to be written here. Uh, the Auditor General gets to work eventually, probably within the next few weeks, to audit the offices at the legislature. That's going to take some time. Uh, also, the RCMP investigation continues, and there's about to begin a workplace review at the legislature because, of course, one of the things Gerald Plekis is alleging is that a number of people were treated unfairly because they raised concerns and either were disciplined or even lost their jobs. So a lot more to come on this scandal. Let's rock the B.C. legislature. The, the gift that keeps giving in many ways. Thanks very much, Keith. Well, it looks like we could be in for yet another political debate over rapid transit in Metro Vancouver. A new report presented to the Mayor's Council today says SkyTrain is the best option for getting people to and from UBC. But as Nadia Stewart reports, not everyone on the Council is on board. Morning and afternoon, these buses are packed. Riders say there's got to be a better way. We know how busy it is, but why the train wasn't built earlier, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that UBC students have been asking for this since like the 90s or even the 2000s. Now a new report presented to this new mayor's council outlining the transportation options for extending rapid transit to UBC. The final word, SkyTrain, is the best choice. Out of an initial 200 options, the report honed in on the top three. LRT extension from Commercial Broadway to UBC, extending the Millennium Line to UBC, or a combination of a SkyTrain extension with an LRT connection. Based on their forecast, two out of three options would see them at capacity within 15 to 20 years. But a Millennium Line extension from Arbutus to UBC could likely handle forecasted ridership in the year 2030 and more than 50 years beyond that. We have uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of folks a week uh, that, that are potentially going down this corridor already on, uh, on uh, very, very crowded uh, B-Line buses. And so this is a benefit to the whole region. But Port Coquitlam's mayor points out not everyone across the region has UBC as their final destination. It's not that I question that there's a, a need for this investment, but there are other areas that would kill to have the level of service that this particular area already has. Mayor's Council Chair Jonathan Cote says they still have a long way to go. Although we are starting to have the preliminary discussions about uh, about rail to, to UBC, that currently is not a funded project and uh, and we are still a lot of decision points away before uh, before we get to that point. So for now, buses it is, until the question of money is settled. Nadia Stork, Global News. Surrey RCMP are asking for help in identifying a groping suspect. Police say on at least three occasions in the past month, the man has groped female employees at three separate stores after asking them for help. He's described as a slightly overweight South Asian man with a mustache. If you recognize him, you were asked to call Surrey RCMP or Crime Stoppers. And Richmond RCMP have released this picture of a suspect in an incident at the River Rock Casino December 1st. A 31-year-old woman alleges a man followed her into a bathroom and took photos of her while she was in a stall. The suspect is about 5 feet 8 inches tall with a slim build, about 25 years old, and wearing a black jacket and dark-colored pants. They're asking for information to help track him down. The Vancouver police sting that caught 47 men allegedly trying to have sex with teenage girls shocked a lot of people by the sheer number of men it attracted. Jill Bennett has the reaction from former students and co-workers of two of the accused and a promise from the VPD that this could be just the beginning. 
One of the men charged with obtaining for consideration the sexual services of a person under the age of 18 was a teacher here at Little Flower Academy, a private Catholic all-girls school on Vancouver's west side. Nicholas Deus taught math for several years and coached grade 8 sports until he recently resigned. I was so shocked. Renee Young was a student of Nick Deus for three years, shocked to hear of the allegations, but also questioning the school's response. The principal saying she learned of the case from the media. I think it would have been much more appropriate, much more responsible for the school to say something to the effect of, okay, we didn't know anything about this, but we will be looking into, um, you know, to see if there was any inappropriate behavior. And we encourage former students to contact us if it in fact happened. At this house listed as belonging to Nick Deus, two women visiting Thursday were not welcoming visitors. Well, I'm just wondering, a lot of people would well, like some answers. We all are wondering, so get lost and have some respect. What we do know is Vancouver police officers posed as girls aged 15 to 17 online. Police say most of the men stopped communicating after learning the ages of the fictitious girls. But in just nine days, 47 men arrived at a hotel room looking for sex with a minor. And that number could have been much bigger. They had to turn down people. They didn't have enough time given the shifts and the number of days that were dedicated to this investigation. Another man charged in the sting is former Vision Vancouver school trustee Ken Clement. Friend and former colleague Patty Bacchus says the news is devastating. Devastating, and it, it's 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 heartbreaking to have someone that you care about uh, be charged with something so incredibly awful, you know. And and we were school trustees together, so you know the most important thing when you're in that role is protecting children. Clement resigned from school board in June, citing personal reasons. Seven men have been charged so far related to this sting. Police say it's just the tip of the iceberg. Jill Bennett, Global News. As expected, a judge has ruled the man accused of killing an Abbotsford teenager in her own school is fit to stand trial. Gabriel Klein is charged with second-degree murder in the 2016 killing of 13-year-old Letitia Reimer in an apparently random attack at Abbotsford Senior Secondary. The ruling follows a recommendation from the review board at Colony Farm, where Klein has been in custody since his arrest. The judge also says Klein should remain at Colony Farm until his trial is over. A follow-up now to a Global News exclusive on two Alder Grove Subway restaurants accused of violating employees' workplace rights. The restaurants have now been given hefty fines and wages have been paid to 18 employees. Disney Tugarcha reports the case has sparked calls for changes to BC's employment standards. After whistleblower complaints about two subways in Alder Grove... The owner of the restaurants, one of which appears to be closed for construction, has been forced to pay up. But nobody never speaks and because everybody needs a job. Last summer, we spoke to six current and former staff whose identities we agreed to conceal. Their accusations ranged from apparent food safety violations, poor working conditions, bullying from their boss and being refused proper pay. They showed us a pile of pay stubs showing overtime and stat holidays were paid at the minimum wage rate instead of time and a half. It's not money now, it's like, it's the fight for right. 
Once formal complaints were filed with the Employment Standards Branch, it launched an investigation, which has now wrapped up. The province confirms the owner had to pay around $11,000, about 7000 of which is back pay for outstanding wages and about 5000 for administrative penalties under the Employment Standards Act. It also says the business now faces escalating fines if there are more wage issues in the future. The payment or, or the retroactive pay can only go back six months. So what's the penalty for an employer who violates someone's rights for five years? Uh, and you're looking at, in, like in this case, a very minimal result. This employment lawyer, who's not directly involved in the case, says the issue is rampant across many industries and is calling for change. So we're hoping uh, the NDP's announcement of sweeping changes to the ESA will address some of these issues. We reached out to both Subway Corporate and the franchise owner for comment. Neither were able to get back to us by our deadline. Subway Corporate had already said that in its initial inspection, it found no food safety violations. The franchise owner previously told Global News she felt she did nothing wrong. Neetu Garcha, Global News, Aldergrove. Vancouver police say the victim of a hit-and-run last week has died in hospital. The 53-year-old woman was struck by a BMW SUV while crossing East 41st Avenue at Commercial Street with her husband last Friday. Investigators are searching for the vehicle, which they say sustained heavy damage and lost part of its front grille. They want the driver to come forward or anyone with information or video to contact police. At least one major charity is asking the public for help tonight to ease the financial pain from the loss of its clothing donation bins. Big Brothers of Greater Vancouver voluntarily pulled nearly 200 of its bins after a rash of recent deaths connected to bin divers. Tonight, the organization is wondering how it will manage taking that half-million-dollar hit. The bag is placed on a cradle and disposed by lifting the cradle up. Row upon row of donation bins are lined up and stacked up. In total, 180 bins are being stored outside this warehouse in New Westminster. This will definitely make a big impact because uh, over 50% of all our overall funding comes uh, through this program, to the clothing donation program. Big Brothers of Greater Vancouver and other organizations pulled them out of circulation after a man became stuck in a West Vancouver bin and died. It was the fifth time since 2015 that someone in BC had died after becoming trapped in a donation bin. We've made the decision to temporarily close all of the clothing donation bins in the, in the district of West Vancouver. The charity says the bins have been a big fundraiser for them, bringing in about $500,000 a year, money that's used to help mentor children through various programs. The loss could potentially impact 250 children. It's hoped the bins can be retrofitted so they're safe to recirculate. We're hoping that we can resolve this and that we can um, return these bins back in the service and that we can uh, provide the service to the community that community expects from our charity. Um, that funding is, as I said earlier, crucial. Big Brothers is hoping to minimize losses and is urging people to drop donations at their Kingsway office or arrange for pickup by calling them or going online. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Right now, though, you might think you're just breathing in fresh, salty sea air while on board a cruise ship, but there's a lot more going into your lungs than that. A new study suggests cruise ship passengers are exposed to some of the most polluted air in the world. Linda Aylesworth reports. 
You'd think that when you're out at sea on a cruise ship, there'd be nothing but clean air. But Stand Earth, a conservation organization that started in BC and has since expanded to the U.S., wasn't so sure. The goal of this study was to investigate what air pollution would look like on board. They tested the air quality, the fine particulate matter, on the decks of four cruise ships, all owned by the Carnival Corporation, including the Princess and Holland America lines. Some of the measurements could be as high or worse than some of the world's most polluted cities while the ship is underway. In its defense, the Carnival Corporation responded as such. These so-called fly-by tests are completely ridiculous, inaccurate, and in no way represent reality. We test the air quality of our ships and they meet or exceed every requirement. But Stand Earth said it expected such a response. And so... We also wanted to make sure the measurements were taken by an expert. Um, I am here uh, with uh, Dr. Ryan Kennedy of Johns Hopkins University School of Public Health. Dr. Kennedy conducted all the studies and found the back decks to have the worst air quality. The counts we're getting right now are significantly higher than what we found uh, in the front of the ship. Uh, in the order of 20 to 25 times higher. The problem, they say, is due to the heavy fuel oil they burn. Because it is a waste product of the oil refinery process, it is absolutely dirt cheap. It's also high in concentrated contaminants. What they're asking for in the short term is a switch to cleaner burning fuel. In the long term, to follow the lead of certain other cruise lines and consider non-fossil fuel alternatives. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Police in Kamloops believe organized crime and the drug trade are behind yesterday's brazen double fatal shootings. In separate attacks, two men were shot within hours of each other outside two local hotels. 31-year-old man who was known to Kamloops RCMP and a 41-year-old man who was not previously known to police were killed. Later that day, police also found a vehicle tied to the shooting, but it had been set on fire. These shootings were very public and put our community at risk, enough is enough. If you should choose to be involved in these brazen acts, we will take every available enforcement option and action to ensure you stop. Nearly two decades after a Maple Ridge woman was allegedly killed for marrying for love in India, the prime suspects behind her murder will finally face charges. Chazi Sidhu's aunt and uncle are accused in her so-called honor killing, and yesterday the pair were finally extradited to India after fighting for years in court to stay in Canada. Ramina Dea reports. Sukhvinder Sidhu, known to the world as Me Too, said recently, despite the length of time, he's hopeful he'll get justice for his wife, Jasvinder Sidhu. Me Too's in-laws, Malkit Sidhu and Surjit Badesha, will finally face a trial on Indian soil on charges of conspiracy to commit murder. The pair accused of hiring assassins to kill Me Too's wife almost two decades ago. Everything is wrong, you know. I did not do anything, you know. It's, it's my niece. I can't kill her. Never. Did you love her? <laughs> The bride's uncle and mother, who are Canadian citizens, have always maintained their innocence. Lawyers arguing the pair would be tortured if extradited. But years of delays and court challenges hit the wall last month, when the B.C. Court of Appeal denied their request for a stay of proceedings. I don't think Jesse will ever see justice. 
Journalist and filmmaker Fabian Dawson broke the story 19 years ago. Unless there's new evidence that the Indian authorities have against the two from here, I doubt this case is going to go very far in India. The case began as a love story. 25-year-old Jasvinder, known as Jazzy, the daughter of wealthy Indian immigrants from B.C., secretly married Mitu, a poor rickshaw driver, against her family's wishes. The newlyweds were attacked in the Punjab in 2000. Jazzy was kidnapped, tortured and killed. Her throat slit. The new bride's husband, Mitu, hacked up with swords. He survived. There's no way to bring her back. Jazzy's former principal from B.C. has this message for the accused. It's time to say goodbye. Send them back to where they belong. A trial date for Badesha and Sidhu has not been set. According to reports, the two hired hitmen and a police inspector are serving life sentences in India. But all of the accused conspirators had their cases thrown out because of a lack of evidence. When I hear the decision of the court, that's when I will be at peace, says Mitu. Ramina Dea, Global News. Obviously, I misspoke earlier. It's Jazzy's mother and uncle who are facing charges back there. Now, a former B.C. premier and attorney general feels confident that there might finally be justice for Jazzy in India. Because of the international nature of the case, I believe that uh, Indian courts would do justice too. It's a democratic country. It's not the perfect system, nor are we. We're perhaps more, slightly more perfect than they are. Um, but I think because of uh, the scrutiny um, uh, upon this particular case internationally, uh, across international borders, I, th- I think uh, they'll do a good job. And a mea culpa from Canada's ambassador to China over his recent comments on the Meng Wanzhou case. Ms. Meng has quite a strong case. Himself or herself. John McCallum said ever, that to Chinese language journalists in the Toronto uh, area on Tuesday. On question, but today he I issued a statement be, saying, I regret that my comment with respect to the legal proceedings of Ms. Meng have created confusion. I misspoke. These comments do not accurately represent my position on the issue. The CFO of Huawei was arrested at YVR last month at the request of the U.S. government. American officials have until January 30th to file a request to extradite her to the U.S. Could happen to anybody. We're going to South Sac. Caught on dash cam, a drunk passenger tries to crash an Uber car in California. The driver was on a busy highway when the passenger suddenly grabbed the steering wheel and took them across two lanes of traffic. The driver was able to bring the car to a stop in the middle of the road and wait for police. The passenger is now charged with driving under the influence for taking control of the car. It has been more than a month since the partial shutdown of the U.S. government, and there are growing concerns about airline safety. That comes from furloughed aviation control workers who are struggling to pay their bills and feed their families. At any given moment, 5,000 planes are in U.S. airspace. Air traffic controllers keeping them all safely separated. But after a month without paychecks, some FAA staffers, including controllers, are turning to food banks and responding to Trump Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross, who suggested they should just take out loans. I wasn't behind on my bills until the shutdown. 
Why should I have to take out a loan for something that was not even my fault? Let me get back to work. Now, the Air Traffic Controllers Union is warning that additional stress is creating a safety risk, with many controllers waiting tables or driving for Uber after their normal 10-hour, six-day-a-week job. Already, some controllers have resigned, citing failure to provide wages, failure to provide compensation for travel, undue stress to me and my family. They're not trained to deal with the stress of not being able to pay your bills or put food on the table for your family. Tonight, the nation's airlines are weighing in. The reality is uh, that's no way to be running the country. And we, in, the longer it goes on, certainly you start to worry about you know, people not being able to come to work. American Airlines, Southwest, and JetBlue warning the shutdown is hurting business and the economy. In Health Matters tonight, good news about the flu vaccine. Canadian researchers say this season's shot has been far more effective than last year's. The shot appears to have reduced the risk of infection with the circulating strain by 72%. That level of protection was seen across all age groups, including young children. Researchers say last season's flu shot was less than 20% effective at preventing people from getting sick. And it's still not too late to get that flu shot. In many parts of Canada, we have, including British Columbia, we have passed the peak in influenza activity uh, due to the, the currently dominating strain, which is an H1N1 kind of strain. But we have to remember that uh, even after we've passed the peak, there's still several weeks of influenza activity, even on the downslope of the epidemic curve. Uh, and in addition, we very often see end of season that influenza B makes a showing. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. A contestant is told to come on down on The Price is Right, but she is nowhere to be found. Why, she almost lost her big chance right after Christy in the forecast. Okay. When nature calls. I was <laughs> Who was that? Oh, Christine Lottie on... Um, Oh, I don't know. know. Oh, my goodness. Winning I don't Actors know. Guild Awards or something oh. like that a few years ago. Oh, winning a big award. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Mm. Anyway, we'll get to it Okay. <laughs> after Christy's forecast. What's happening, Christy? Well, we had quite a bit of fog and drizzle this morning, but it certainly did lighten up in the afternoon hours. I like this shot, though, from Robert in North Vancouver, the Lynn uh, headwaters there. So expect that to redevelop again tonight as temperatures cool. It'll get thick again tomorrow morning and then lighten up in the afternoon. It's sort of that pattern where we see it on and off. Thank you to everyone who sends us photos, by the way. I love seeing them. It's helpful to be able to tell the weather story. Weatherwindow at globaltv.com is where you can send them via email or you can also tweet them at me. And one of the photos that we've been getting recently is of the window frost. I love the fern-like patterns on them. Thanks to Heather for this one. And check out this one. Uh, so it's a window or it can also be called fern frost. Thanks to Catherine for that one. And you can also see it on the tops of your cars or maybe um, in the fronts of the cars as well. Now, how does it occur? Because it doesn't happen all of the time. I actually wrote a post on our website, and it's quite interesting. It has to do with 
somewhat has to do with how dirty your windshield is. So, Chris Galas, you might be interested in this. Um, it's one of the reasons why I have quite a bit of frost on, frost ferns on my car. Uh, interesting explanation. I urge you to check it out. All right, Valley Cloud across the Soyuz. This was today beautiful and sunny. That inversion has started to develop. A typical winter uh, ridge of high pressure. What happens is we start to get cooling down in the valley bottom, and that cooler air stays put as the warmer air goes up and above it and it continues to cool lower down we start to get that cloud development whereas in the sunshine higher up that's where the warmth is so you want to hit the slopes over the next little while because this pattern is not going anywhere anytime soon yes it's what we call a dirty ridge and that we are still seeing some cloud cover but in general it's going to be dry except for those of you across the north systems will push on shore here rain uh, along the coast inland regions snowfall whereas down through the south, that valley cloud will persist. And we are going to see this through until the middle part of next week, likely. So still a fair amount of cloud, thicker in the morning, brighter in the afternoon. The good news is this ridge strengthens Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And it looks like we could see a fair amount of sunshine. Oh, I forgot. I want to show you this great shot from Penticton. And I believe this was yesterday. It may have been today. And the surprising part is not that he's snowboarding in his backyard. It's that that is his backyard, in my opinion. Lucky his backyard. <laughs> what? Yep. Lucky Coming over. Guy. Thank you, Christy. Especially when the grapes come in. Mm-hmm. All right. What happens when opportunity knocks and you don't answer the door? Thankfully, sometimes you get a second chance. That happened to a Price is Right contestant who was MIA when host Drew Carey called her name to come on down. It's going to be Tara Armstrong. Come on down. You're the next contestant. Okay, it wasn't Drew Carey calling your name, but you get the idea. The camera searched for any sign of the audience member who was called up to play, but she wasn't there. Where was she? (laughs) Nature called. She was in the bathroom. Uh, After a few minutes of waiting, she finally came running out, much to to everyone's amusement. (laughs) Nice to see you. Thought you'd never get here. So glad you could make it. <laughs> nice to meet you. Sorry. Nice to meet you. I had to go to the restroom. I, I'm so sorry. I know. I shake your hand, but that's all right. <laughs> I was just about to ask. Very cute. All right. We have an early candidate for 2019 Father of the Year. A dad from Norway, not afraid to look maybe a little foolish, depends on your perspective, and share it with the world just to make his son happy. Concealed, don't feel, don't let them know. Okay, I'm not going to even try to pronounce his name. I'm just going to call him Dad. Uh, the four-year-old son, Dexter, that's a name I can pronounce, loves the movie Frozen, so Dad bought two costumes on eBay, shot video of their dance like no one's watching performance of Let It Go, and then posted it on Facebook. Okay. He's very graceful. Uh, He says his son is drawn to Frozen because Elsa is a strong character. And here's a lesson for everyone. He doesn't care about her gender. For him, Elsa is a superhero. The video has been viewed more than 26 million times. That's amazing. I never saw Frozen, but does one of the princesses have a beard in it? (laughs) No, I think he... I don't know, but... It's his. Orian... going to be stuck in everyone's head now. (laughs) Orian Barua. 
I'm just calling is, him dad. Just call him dad is better. <laughs> dad of the year. The frozen dad. He, he actually, you know, he fit that outfit perfectly. He did. And he moved pretty well. Where did yeah. he get that? All right, Squires here with sports. Yes, We're I into am. the all-star break. Maybe not the way the Canucks were hoping. Well... They got away with a couple of wins before last night's game. I mean, they went into the All-Star break, yes, with a 5-2 loss to Carolina. And as we said, they haven't been playing all that well of late. They've admitted that. And they were winning because of their goalies. But you can't expect to be saved every night by your netminder. Now, all the Canuck players, except for Elias Pettersson, gets basically a week off before they have to practice again. They don't play again until February 2nd. Pettersson is in San Jose for All-Star weekend. Skills competition tomorrow the three-on-three tournament Saturday. Uh, Last night's game wasn't good for the Canucks, but it did have a Pedersen moment with some passing from him and Brock Besser that made them look like Henrik and Daniel Sedin, and Berchie was there to finish it off. It was the last good thing that happened to the Canucks last night, actually. And here we go. Hutton, Pedersen, Besser, Pedersen, Berchie, red light. And the thing about this... This is what Pedersen has said. He loves playing with Besser because Besser thinks the game like he does. Watch how fast, though, Pedersen gets rid of this puck to give it to Berchie. And watch how soft that passes. Right on the stick. Easy goal. But they still lost. One more look. Pedersen, that's all-star passing. That's Calder Trophy passing. Uh, Tonight, the Vancouver Giants get to test themselves against the best junior team in all of hockey, the Prince Albert Raiders. 45-2. 45-2. and two. That's their record. They're on a pace to set a record for most wins and points ever in a Western Hockey League season. They actually started the year 26-1 and one with a 19-game win streak that lasted nearly two months. It was exciting. I don't think any of us could, uh, you know, predict uh, something like that happening. Uh, we just kind of rolled with it and then kept building on our game and just just kind of seeing, seeing how far we could go with it. When you get on those kinds of streaks, you just let that room take care of itself. You don't want to interfere with it too much. You don't want to micromanage it and just let them go. And, uh, you know, that was the self-push from within that I think really continued that streak. There is no equivalent to the BCHL in Newfoundland. So one of Newfoundland's best young hockey players needed a place to play and a place to stay. He came west, pretty much as far west as he could go without needing his passport. But... Alex Newhook will need his passport soon because ahead of him is an NCAA career and quite possibly an NHL career. This is Newhook. Alex Newhook with an assist tonight. Drives through traffic. Looking good. Cutting in. Backhand scores! Oh, beauty! Alex Newhook! He goes from Newfoundland to Victoria in one rush. Alex Newhook has literally gone coast to coast to further his hockey career. Newhook is a proud Newfoundlander, but like others before him, found it necessary to leave the rock to find better competition to improve his game. He landed in Victoria, and the Grizzlies couldn't be happier. Newhook leads the league in scoring and is expected to be a mid to late first round pick in this year's NHL draft. I think he just thinks the game so much quicker. Like he's always a step ahead of the play. He's always a step ahead of everybody out there. Just so fast, so dangerous every time he's on the ice. And he's, it's been a blast playing with him the past couple of years. As dazzling as he's been on the ice, Newhook's made a bigger impression on his teammates with a welcoming personality Newfoundlanders are known for. What makes him an elite player is uh, his off-ice uh, manner and how he goes about things. He's a very humble guy. Um, He's great to talk to. He's a great friend. Um, 
He's great in the locker room and uh, he's wearing the C. He's a real leadership presence. He's a 17-year-old that acts like a 20-year-old, you know, and carries himself like that. He supports his teammates. You don't find too many teenagers with the nurturing gene, but Newhook knows what it's like to leave home early. He played in Ontario when he was just 14 years old. It's always difficult at first, you know, when you, when you don't know anyone and stuff like that. So to be a guy that, that's been here before and, and to help those guys be comfortable, help those guys, you know, be the best they can and, and improve all the time, is um, it's a big thing for me. The Newfie accent may have faded somewhat, but Newhook couldn't be more proud of his heritage. Only 29 players from Newfoundland have ever played an NHL game. Michael Ryder is the all-time points leader, and Newhook will try to join that exclusive group in the near future. Having the opportunity to be a guy like that, that's, that's come from Newfoundland, and, and to be able to you know, have a chance at you know, being drafted and, and that kind of stuff, is it's super special. But plenty of work before then. The NHL draft, then off to Boston College, and then the pros. Those in Victoria are pretty confident Alex Newhook is going all the way. Well, this is just a stop for him, and, and he's going to continue. He's going to have another challenge in NCAA next year, and I hope to see him in the NHL real soon. And It's going to be a fortunate team that takes him, that's for sure. Tiger Woods is playing this week. There's his security detail over Torrey Pines, and here he is himself. On the 11th, Tiger, first of the year. Just a straight tournament, that is. That's a top trace of technology. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. My goodness. He can kick that in. Minus two. Minus two, eight shots off the lead. And this is your leader, John Rahm. And a couple of eagles on the front nine. There you go. You keep every time you stand. Uh, Roger Sloan, Adam Svensson, minus two. The other BC boy, Nick Taylor, minus one. Adam Hadwin took the week off. Oh, there you go. Deserves it. I know he almost won last week, so he took this week off. There you All go. right. Thanks, Squire. Here's a snow report for today. Not a lot of new snow across the province in the last 24 hours, but Cyprus did pick up one centimeters. These bases, though, are average for this time of year. Revelstoke picked up three centimeters in the last 24 hours, and Whitewater, eight. Big White Silver Star and Sun Peaks, no new snow, but looking at the averages, these are pretty good bases for this time of year, so certainly a healthy season in through the interior. Kicking Horse Mount Washington, no new snow, but Powder King did pick up three centimeters. Coming up on ET Canada, what drove Celine Dion to tears in Paris, plus Corey Hart's new comeback and his tour. That's all coming up at 7 right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to you, Chris and Sophie. All right. Thank you very much, Cheryl. Well, could it be a sign of things to come at cosmetic counters across North America? I'm really enjoying how this backdrop uh compliments Ma her. I'm, sorry, I'm in this woman's way. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, that's better. One of the biggest <laughs> drugstore chains in the U.S. is giving its beauty aisle a makeover to give its customers a more realistic look at its products. Gone are the days of a beauty aisle peppered with images of perfection. Today, CVS is rolling out its beauty mark, a way to tell what images have been digitally altered and which have not been retouched. The beauty mark is our pledge to pass along a healthier self-image to the next generation. For now, about 70% of photos will be labeled, most of those wearing the product but without any airbrushing. Companies like Revlon, Neutrogena and CoverGirl are already on board. It might mean I have to like get a really good night's sleep. Neutrogena creative consultant and actress Carrie Washington is all for it. We're up against this extraordinary power of computers to tell us that we're not enough. The goal is to have 100% of images labeled by 2020. 
Are you worried about sales at all now that those images may not be quite so perfect? When our customers shop with us, we're actually educating them and giving them more. Giving them a reality check and making sure true beauty is easy to see. Kristen Dahlgren, NBC News, New York. Let it all hang out, I say. <laughs> I, I like here. I, I prefer like a little touch up. Now and again. He mentioned it. Oh, I Good, because I was going to get a photographic sense. Okay, we got to talk about Muggsy. Uh, we ended the show last night telling you about the little puppy from Iran who had such an indomitable will to live. A warning, though, the pictures might be a little tough to look at. That's right. Muggsy was severely oh, disfigured and lost one eye when someone threw a corrosive substance in her face. She was adopted by Burnaby Sam Taylor who saw her online, knew she had to have her, and we told you that Muggsy needs about $7,000 worth of surgery to fix some of those deformities and give her a better quality of life. Well, tonight we can tell you her GoFundMe page has exceeded that amount. So they are both going to be just great. fine. She's going to get her surgery. Nice. Pretty cool. That's mm -hmm. cool. Uh, special thanks to Carson and Kellen. Carson on the left, Kellen on the right for <laughs> hanging out with me today. They Please. are job shadow students from Burnaby North High School. Thanks, guys. Well done. Well yeah. done. Now you, have, now you have to go start his car. They wrote most of the show tonight, <laughs> so...